Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, taking you behind the scenes with the stars and creators of the hottest shows on Broadway, off Broadway, and beyond. I'm your host, Gordon Cox. We've got a full house for this episode of Stagecraft. I'm talking to Oscar and Tony-winning composers Benj Pasek and Justin Paul, and Tony-winning playwright Stephen Levinson, the creators of the hit musical Dear Evan Hansen, and all of them joined by Val Emick, the actor, musician, and novelist who's adapted the musical into a young adult novel that's on shelves now. All four of them are sharing mics and crammed into a conference room with some wonky sound quality, so we apologize for that. But we're all here to talk about taking their story on a rare journey from the stage to the page and why they made the changes they made along the way. Hi, guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks for yeah, having us. us. So I was thinking that, was, that this was basically unprecedented to have a novelization of a Broadway show, but apparently I've been told otherwise. Let, let me know. What's the history of uh, novelizations of Broadway shows. So as far as we've been told, and we've said, we've asked, I think, around to say, can someone fact check this or something? And everyone's like, well, this is what we can figure out. Um, that's basically it, how Broadway it, facts work. <laughs> that's <laughs> fact checking. <laughs> um, what we've been told is that Annie, the musical, was novelized by right. Martin Charnin, actually, right. um, after it was on Broadway. I guess the difference being that this is an original story, sure. you know, uh, an original musical, and so therefore we could probably say this is the first novelization of an original Broadway musical. Right. Which still sounds sparkly. Still sounds pretty cool. <laughs> cool to us in our minds. Right? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And so because it's a thing that, you know, you have to ask the old timer on the corner about uh, when the last time it happened. Like, how did the idea come to you? It's not a thing that uh, occurs to most Broadway shows. You know, Steven? Well, you know, it, it started to come out of our conversations when the show moved to Broadway, actually. And we started to feel like there was this real... Um, this real community of people that, that was responding to the show and was interested in knowing more about the show and digging into these characters. And, and especially online, we started to find a lot of people who hadn't seen the show, um, but who had seen maybe clips of it on YouTube or um, pictures or uh, and listened to the, the recording. And basically, we found all of this um, fan art started to come out and then fan fiction and People were just really um, connecting with these characters in a way that really surprised us. And um, it also felt like, I, I think all theater makers are conscious of this today, which is the high price of theater tickets right. and the relative inaccessibility of Broadway especially. Um, and it started to feel like we have a story that we get to tell to about 1,000 people a night in this one city in the world for an exorbitant price. Um, and it felt like is there a way to get this story out to more people who might not otherwise um, have a chance to experience it? And it felt like there was a real hunger for that. Um, and, you know, at the same time as we were thinking about that, we had always, you know, as this was an original musical and we kind of developed it from the ground up, there's so much that got left on the cutting room floor and so many ideas and so many tangents that just kind of got lopped off as we went along. And then also some questions that emerged as we wrote it that we just couldn't answer um, in the span of a two-and-a-half-hour musical. So both of those things kind of converged, and, and we felt like a novel might be a way to kind of 
dig deeper into some of these moments and into these characters and also reach a broader audience. So more so than something like, you know, a movie adaptation or a, or a televised adaptation or something, something that would also increase the accessibility, but wouldn't necessarily give you more time or space yeah, to explore those. Stuff, right, yeah? right. Well, that's, that is the big difference with a novel is that it, it is um, such an expansive experience and it's such a, um, a deep experience. And it felt like uh, a movie, for instance, is, is a kind of another compressed story right. um, form that, that forces you, know, you to, to figure out how to get it all within a certain length of time. And it felt like a novel was a way to kind of um, ease into these characters a little bit more. Um, and it felt like something, uh, it felt somehow natural to this yeah. story. Yeah. YA also seems like a nat- natural fit in terms of who the main characters are and who a lot of its fan base is. Like, did, was there, were you always thinking, oh, it's, it's going to be a sort of, you know, older skewing YA book? Yeah, I mean, you know, the show definitely is for all ages, and we wanted the book to, to be for all ages as well, in the sense that uh, when, when people come in uh, to experience the show, parents and kids, we've found that it's really a conversation starter between them, where a lot of older uh, audience members will either remember their own high school days or think about what it means to be a parent today. And when we were sort of assessing where we wanted to land with the book, we could have just written a totally adult version of it, which I guess is more in line with what the show is, or we could have written something that skewed more YA. I think that the reason that we wanted it to be an adult, I guess, quote-unquote YA version is so that it could feel like it really was accessible to older people as well, because I think the main uh, group that actually reads YA novels is 30- or 40-year-old Women. That's correct. I think it's that's a, correct. It's actually a, it's for adults now. It's, right. Yeah. That um, has been fact checked. Right. Yeah. That's, no, that's, that's true. That's actually true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but what was the most important to us is that the the show really is about um, really uh, intimate and delicate subject matter uh, like depression and loneliness and and how we kind of lie to ourselves and and try to uh, try to break through really really sort of difficult conversations with the people that we love. And we wanted that to be accessible to uh, a younger audience, and, and we wanted it to be in school systems. We wanted it to facilitate conversations. We wanted it to spark conversations between parents and kids. And we didn't want to write something that was so inaccessible right. that it couldn't also um, be a resource for younger people that were going through these kinds of difficult times in their lives to, to be able to talk about and engage with. Yeah, that was the thing that I think we didn't realize was that that was a, a big... Um, sort of point that the publishers made was, you know, YA novels are read by audiences of all ages, but really it was that with the YA sort of approach to it, it would guarantee that we'd have a really good chance of getting the the book into libraries, into schools, and, you know, we thought about classes reading the book as part of an assignment. We thought about kids, you know, encountering that book in a way they might not have otherwise, and that felt important to us. And, and um, you know, when I talked about the, sort of the hunger for this story and the appetite for this story, so much of that, um, you know, so much of that kind of, so much of that desire to interact with these characters and to kind of expand the story is a younger person's impulse. Right. You know, like I think from our generation, we're not really used to that. We sort of take our stories and we're happy with them. And, and it feels like a younger generation does want to engage with them more. And so it felt like that audience also really needed this story in a way. Um, and so it felt it felt like whatever we were going to do, we wanted to make sure that they could find it, um, while at the same time making something that would, if an adult picks it up and reads it, I don't think, other than the words YA on it, I don't think that they would know that it was specifically right. a YA novel. In fact, Val, in writing um, the novel, I think didn't even 
quite realize that that's what it was supposed to be. No, no, yeah. I, I didn't. And also, I was. I think if you direct something to teens, adults could find it. But if you direct it to adults, they might. The teens might not find it. So I think it's a good good thing to do the former. Um, no, I didn't know. In fact, when was that true of you wrote an, uh, another book that came out last year called The Reminders? That was that true of that book as well, in terms of that, what audience you were directing it to. I don't pay attention to the categories, not because I don't think they're important or whatever. I just that's not what I do when I start to write a story. And I was told, in fact, when one of my characters in the in in my first book is a ten year old girl, and the other one's a close to 40 year old man and one agent read it and said like I, I don't know if I can gear this to adults and every other person was like what of course it's an adult book so there can even be confusion there um our editor was like I was like can I curse and she's like yeah just make I was like so what what how is it different and she's like it's not really just it's it's basically who tells the story and Evan is the person telling a story so yeah. And The Reminders, which is the name of your uh, novel, the last novel, has sort of s overlaps a little bit in sort of some thematic ways, right? Like not only is music involved, but also it's kind of about what we remember of people, right? Yeah, that was a strange, like... Is that how you guys connected? Like how, what, how, I don't, how did you guys meet? I certainly well, we're, like. We're very surface level, and so that had that in his book. We were like, he could do it in our book. Great. Sure, right? <laughs> no, I, someone <laughs> told yeah. us that. Easy. Right. Um, yeah. No, we actually. Uh, right. Someone told me. Yeah. The jacket. Yes. Right. And, yeah. And we heard reminder. That <laughs> sounds like our show. <laughs> uh, no, we um we our editor um uh, introduced us to you know we knew from the beginning that uh, as painful as it was to not. Um, to not write every single word of this. We knew that... Uh, well, oh, that was actually one of my questions. Yeah. Steven, did you think of doing it yourself? I, You know, when we first started talking about it, I was like, absolutely not. I just can't. And then as we started talking about it more to more people, I was like, I think I have to. And then I was like, no, I can't. Um, and and I also, like, I don't... I love writing, and I, I, I love these characters, but the novel is such a different beast, yeah. and it is such a different skill set, and I'm, I've just been in awe of of Val's ability to, to do things that I certainly couldn't do. Stephen um, could have done it. I'm glad he didn't. No, <laughs> but, yeah. um, he but, no but the truth is we, we read a bunch of authors when we, when we decided that, and um, Val's book, for the reasons that you mentioned, um, thematically, but even more than that, just the voice, um, just felt like Val has such a compassionate kind of um, view of his characters and such a, like a soft touch um, and also the different perspectives felt like something that we knew that we wanted for this book. We were right. really excited about the possibility. Did you know of... what the perspectives were when you started? Because actually that's a surprising choice in the novel is yeah. that who, who the other perspective you I pitched is. a bunch of, when our first, we first met over lunch, I pitched a bunch of perspectives. But we, I think we all thought they all sounded great. And there might have been like every character I might have thrown out. Yeah, we'll do Zoe. We'll do the mom. <laughs> and I even had some books, examples. But when it came down to it, like I realized I can only do, you know, a few things. And it was trial and error. And then after I showed them some stuff, I think everyone agreed, like, we need more of that. Namely... Yeah, well, even in the development of the Broadway show, I think when we really began to drill down into what the show was saying, it really is ultimately the story of two boys and how one boy could have gone in one direction and one boy could have 
one boy could have gone in, in the direction of the other boy very, very easily. And so I think highlighting and hearing internally from each of these two boys, from Evan and boys. Connor, yep. uh, you know, it allows you to get inside their heads and, and go on sort of both of their journeys. And I think we get to learn a lot more about a character that's really enigmatic in the show, but we get to really dive into that character and, and hear what's going on in his, you know, in his own psychological state to, right. to get him to certain places. As I was reading it, I was sort of thought of it as kind of like a 350-page song, right? If one of the functions of a song in a musical is to, like, open a window into the inner life of a character, like, that's basically what you do for Evan, except for the parts that are narrated by Connor, right? right? Well, that is the interesting thing, is, like, people see the show and you think of it, like, that it's in Evan's head or in Evan's point of view. And that that's mostly true. It's sort of told through the lens of Evan of what he's experiencing. There's actually very few moments in the show where... Evan, you know, turns down stage and sings to us and tells us, just us, just us, a private sort of connection with the audience, what he's feeling. It happens only a couple of times. And most of the time he's in, in community, in, in dialogue with other characters, and we hear what he's thinking through that. But it's not one of those shows where time stops and Evan sort of fills us in on what he's thinking at each moment. You can tell because of the script, because of the songs, because of the brilliant performances that we have from the guys who played the role, but... This is really is a whole other experience to actually be in his head. It feels like even the moments from the show that are in the book, you feel like you're experiencing them for the first time because it's actually from his point of view, and you're hearing what the sort of constant running dialogue in his head. Yeah, it's a little bit like taking the subtext and making it actual text, right? Right. Yes. right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so, Val, tell us about what that writing process was. So when did you see the show, and then how did you... How much did you read, like, the stuff that uh, Stephen was mentioning about, you know, the stuff that got left on the cutting room floor? Um, like, how much does that work in? How much of that is your own, cre- of the new stuff is your own creation? What was that balance? I read the play before I saw the show. Um, and I when thought, would this have been? The, this was last already... summer, okay. 2017, July. So it had won the Tony and everything. and You'd, you'd heard Oh, that. yeah. I yeah, wish okay, I yeah. didn't know all that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I, uh, but even on the page, I was like, that's when I was like, I think this could work. And it was actually after seeing the show where I was like, oh, this is going to be harder than I thought. But I, I went back. I went <laughs> well, back wait, why? The, what, what about the show made you think? Oh, because so much of the 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 emotional immediacy is in these creative touches with social media and then the songs and then the acting i saw it with um ben platt so i was like oh man what am i gonna do um it was it just like as 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 amazing as the book is that stephen wrote like i really realized it was much much more when i saw the show so um but i always had faith in the story on the page i was like this could work um, at first, I think I gave them something that was just like, all right, here's the book on the page. <laughs> and they were like, no, we want more more than that. Don't just like write it verbatim. So then I went even much, much farther. Yeah. And then it was like, no, bring us back. I lied about it, <laughs> about all that changing, I said. Um, and, and we should say that there's, there's some conversations that... At least they sound to me. I haven't seen it in a while, but they sound like, if not verbatim, then very similar very to similar. the song. Definitely, but it's also a lot of those are sort of, I don't know, filled out or expanded. And then there are, of course, other scenes that don't even exist at all. There are yeah. also characters that don't exist at all that are all. Yeah, yeah. it was a trial and error yeah. with the guys and our editor to be like when to change and when not to change. Right. There were things where. And so, when do you do that? Was there a rule of thumb? It was if if I didn't hear anything, I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I found that I found like. That sometimes when in early drafts, when there were 
conversations taking place, because they should, because they're part of the story, that were similar to um, the show, I felt you changing them because we had said, push, reach, go further, do it. And, we, and at a certain point we found, you know what, like when we're having a conversation in the book that is like the show, like the characters speak the way that Stephen wrote them from the beginning. And so like right. those can feel more close to the show's dialogue. But they're all sort of, you sort of come upon them from varying places and it's not similar to the show's context at all or it's you happen to find yourself in them but it's only for a little chunk and then we depart from that so there are things there were decisions about characters where we said oh you know what we actually went down that road and it was there's a big pitfall there so come back come back we we tried to make that work (laughs) we get that instinct that was our instinct we tried to make that work and it didn't work or the problem with that is if Evan says that, then it doesn't make sense when he says it. Like, you know, we tried to keep it all consistent in the world of Evan Hansen. Um, but as you said, there are new characters. There are, um, And that was exciting for us because it felt like um, seeing, you know, this beloved person that you know well in, like, an entirely new context all of a sudden. I was saying the other day, it's like going, it's like if you go to your kid's graduation and suddenly you're like, oh, that's this, yes, that's having this out-of-body experience where we're hearing Val um, write new scenes and new relationships and interactions for these characters and saying, that's not what we wrote, but that is, that is the character and that we know. So, you know, bringing this back to the theater podcast for a second, I find like what Val was able to do was the best version of what we try to do when we do an adaptation of a novel or of a movie. And, you know, you try to keep the parts that you think people want and you try to m- make sure that it works for the actual form. None of us, the three of us, authors of Evan Hansen, the original musical, really had any clue what it meant to make something into a novel and you know I found like the process to be sort of very similar when we're doing any kind of adaptation of well what are the needs of a musical and how do we fulfill them and I think Val really led us um, through the process of novelization in an adaptation of something and and said what's necessary to this particular art form and and, then how do you maximize that well they're sort of yeah they're almost sort of opposite forms of writing in a way because when you're writing a play um, or a musical or a film, it's all about economy. Yeah. You know, it's all about what is the least, what are the least number of words I need to get this across? So it's like in the musical we say, you know, we don't even say it, you know, it's somehow roundabout, but you get that Jared and Evan are family friends, you know, and that's enough. Like we as the audience get exactly what that means. But in a novel, you can actually explore what does that mean? How do they know each other? How do their parents know each other? And that's just a small example of like, you know, you can just sort of do a hint of something in dialogue and it's, it fills, we fill it in as an audience and you don't do that in a novel. It's also economy of, you know, like locations in, yes. in a theater yeah, sure. production, yeah, exactly. you know, and so I am like, uh, well, this isn't all going to happen in Evan's room. So let's go in a car. Let's go for a walk. Those are the the chances where I get to create something. Also, how did Evan become a park ranger? Well, that was never discussed in the uh, or a park ranger apprentice <laughs> so like I have to figure that kind of stuff out and so what the, the choices that were made with Connor how much of that Val was you and how much of that was in conversation with these guys what how did that because that's all stuff that's going to be new to the people uh, from the musical yeah. um, what where did that come from I guess the the real short answer is like it was that was all of us putting our heads together the the voice is the like I can't 
do anything until I find a voice. So they could tell me, I want this, I want that. And if I can't tell how to say it, then I can't really do the job. So the first job was just like, how does Connor speak? How does, how do, how does he convey his emotions? Um, and once they signed off on that, like, oh, we like that. Then it was just a matter of like, okay, now what do we want to know about Connor? One of the big things they wanted was, let's hear about some of these things that are sort of iconic in the story, in the, in the musical. Um, him, Connor, throwing a printer at Mrs. G in second grade that everyone knows about this legend. Like, what really happened? We got to do fun stuff like that. And that was directly the guys saying, like, can you show us, like, the real Connor? Let's figure out who the real Connor is. Well, because Connor is a character that is quite intentionally in the show sort of ventriloquized all the time. He's, he's right. the person that everybody says, yeah. this is who he is, this is what he says, this is how he was in the world. And this actually gives us the opportunity to say, well, what of those things are actually true? And how, how did that get filtered into what people consider the truth? And it's really interesting in the sort of theater versus uh, literature conversation, we found in a, in, a, in a weird, surprising way... I guess not that surprising, but we found that while we had to make sure we did we we did justice to Connor in the musical and sort of still gave made him a three dimensional you know person, we found in the show that spending a lot of time or too much time with him or even with his mother and her grief and doing that, we ended up really doing a disservice to the overall. I don't know if it's like a cosmetic thing or an energy thing or what it was, but we found that the show was so heavily weighed down. Um, and never got its start um, when tons of time was spent with the character. But we had so, but, but we had baked in, and the actor who was playing the role as well, we all said, this needs to be a real person, fully drawn. And so we had spent a lot of time talking about what this character was. He's not a bully. He's not, um, you know, he's not a mean kid. He's not, you know, there's the joke in the show and in the book about a school shooter. She... That right. This is actually a character who is very similar to our protagonist, who who is isolated, who's alone, who feels misunderstood, who is, is struggling with all kinds of things. And so that was all there. And so that was what we all wanted to do, which was how can we explore that? And we know that in a novel it's okay to spend some time with him and to really understand him. And, and that was probably one of our favorite parts of getting to do this was to sort of fully draw that character. Uh, one thing that is true of a lot of YA novels is that they come out in series. Is this the first of a series? Of the, <laughs> the Dear Evan Hansen the picture book extended is, no. universe? Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, I think we're, we're just very excited that we're about to launch a novel tomorrow. Right. Yeah. 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 I, think, I think we're all just no, like, we feel like at the yeah. end of a track meet, just breathing right. heavily right. at right. the moment. Yeah. yeah, that made me a little queasy. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, well, before we go, let's talk a little bit about what uh, else you guys are working on. Um, Val, are you working on another novel? Or do you have music coming out? I am working on another novel, but I, uh, I feel like I just jinxed it by saying that. Um, it's very early going, well, yeah. and, I, and I don't even know if it'll be anything. Because I have, I have started other novels that didn't end up being anything. Um, making some music, and I'll always be making music. And... Um, that's it. We're going on tour. That's what I'm doing right now. Cool. And, and, and we're going on tour where Val will be making some music. It's not very often probably... Well, I guess this kind of thing doesn't happen very often, but I know we feel very lucky that um, our author, Val, is also an accomplished singer-songwriter, so he will be joining us on some musical performances. Was that... I'm sorry to interrupt, Justin, but was that... Um, was 
Val's ties to music and his music musicianship. How how yeah. was that? How and why was that important? And how yeah. do you feel like this is a question for any of you? Uh, he was that same like that surface influenced... level thing. It's like oh, he likes music. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, exactly. he can yeah. do things about the past and remembering people. <laughs> right. no, and also but, music. Yeah. No, but I think for sh- the fact, not just being a musician, but actually being a songwriter. Right. I think understanding the kind of what what songs do and the emotions those capture and the moments those capture. For us, that that did give us that even extra boost of confidence. Not that we needed it, but it did make us think like, okay, a big part of this job is going to be how do we in prose form, you know, all of our most of our emotional peak moments in the show because it's a musical will come at those at those song moments, and so it's going to take somewhat. Like I think Val's. Um, abilities and talents for music made us feel great because it thought, okay, this is a person who's going to understand how to take what's happening in those songs and put, find a way to express that energy or that feeling. I mean, Val talks about listening to the music as he was writing, and I, because he understands what's going on in the music, I, I have no doubt that that, that that helped do that. Right, right. And then uh, Stephen, we were talking before the re, uh, recorder came on that uh, you've got a new play happening basically yeah. right now. It's called. I do, uh, yeah. Yeah, tell us about it. It's starring Mike Face. Speaking of yes, Connor yes. and the actor who played him, it stars Mike Face. Yes, which is really exciting. Um, it's called Days of Rage, and it's at Second Stage Theater. Um, and it starts previews October 9th. Um, and it's directed by Trip Coleman. And I'm saying everything yes. but what it's about. Um, it's, a, uh, it's about a group of um, kids in, the, in 1969 sort of planning the revolution from a dilapidated farmhouse in upstate New York. Um, and it's kind cool. of funny and weird, and uh, uh, it's 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 been a lot of fun. It's a great. We have a really amazing cast, including Lauren Patton, who's also uh-huh. a yeah. really great um, musical theater performer. Right. Um, and Benjamin Justin, I need updates on La La Land the musical <laughs> and Greatest Showman the musical. Oh, Go. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Going for the controversial. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, smart. Um, we don't have an update. Yeah, we, man, I would. I, I would genuinely say you know more about both of these <laughs> you properties than do. we do. Um, um, we we read things, and we're yeah. like, is that sometimes we call make try to make phone calls and do say, any is of that them actually turn out happening? To be true? Um, so far, nothing that we know of. Yeah. But um, I mean, I think I, there. Are, I think there are aspirations. These no, aspirations for you know you know uh, live versions or stage versions or experiences or something related to both of those properties, um, which would be. Um, cool and exciting if done in the right place at the right time and in the right way. And but we can genuinely say to you, we have yet to have our first meeting on either of them. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> right. This so, is true. Uh, and so what else are you guys working on? Um, we're in the middle of working on an adaptation of Snow White right now for yeah. uh, live action. Yeah, taking the, an- the original classic animated and um, doing the... Is that with Mark Platt? Did I yes. That yeah, yes. Mark Platt, who is Ben Platt's father. And also Correct. an extremely busy movie and stage production. Yes. True. So we're yeah, so we're doing that. So we're writing, we're taking, trying to sort of take. Well, it's all wonderful, but taking some of the most wonderful moments, you know, classic songs like "Hi Ho" and uh, "Whistle While You Work," and then sort of crafting a, a new, uh, still set in the fairy tale world and all that, but a, a, a live action adaptation of that film and writing new songs and 
rejiggering some of the old ones. And I'm sure it's how Val felt and how we felt in other adaptations. You're basically just trying to not ruin it for everyone. Right. And, exactly. And, and try, try to give give yeah. the, the fans of the original what they just want. Just like write a song, to... then like duck and cover, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and are the two of you working on a new stage musical, and is Steven involved? We keep asking him every time we that see is, him. He's too busy. He's, he's always too busy. Like, he's too busy. <laughs> I've got so days of rage happening. He's That's right. Television shows. Oh, yeah, you've got a TV show. Actually, you should tell us about that. Oh, well, this is another theater-related yeah. thing. I'm doing yeah, this exactly. um, TV show for FX. Um, it's an eight-part uh, miniseries about Bob Fosse and Gwen Burton. Um, yeah, with it's Sam got Rockwell a spectacular cast. Michelle Williams um, and Tommy Kell and Lin-Manuel Miranda are producing it yep. with me. Um, and it's really exciting. It should be... Yeah. Something. When does that... Is that next season? When does that, that air? Is should that gonna... be out um, next year. Next 2019. Year. Okay. At okay. point. Cool. Again, they haven't right. told me. All right. Well, <laughs> when your schedule comes out, maybe you guys can write a new musical. Yeah. And we'll talk yeah. about that. Um, Keep pressuring. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being here. Nice to talk to you. Thanks, Thanks for having That was Benj Pasek, Justin Paul, Stephen Levinson, and Val Emick talking about the recently released novel Dear Evan Hansen. If you like what you've heard on this and other episodes of Stagecraft, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe wherever finer podcasts are dispensed. On the next episode of Stagecraft, I talk to Sasan Gabai, the Israeli actor who's now playing a lead role in The Band's Visit, more than a decade after he originated the same role in the 2007 film that inspired the musical. Until then, see you at the theater. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.